Welcome to The Dangerous Leader, where we invite leaders to share their best experiences thriving in a world that expects them to conform so that you can too. Hello there. Dr. Jennifer Murphy here, along with no pants, Alex Schulte in the producer box. (laughs) That will make more sense later, I promise. I am the creator of the Art of Living Dangerously Leadership Model, and after today's session, I can claim the title of Most Improved Empathetic Leader. Alex can claim Learn How to Put Pants On for Emotional Maturity as his title coming out of today. Now, we appropriated these titles because today I have Karen Schumacher on the show, who is president of Crescendo Leadership Development. In this episode, we talk about something I've had a tense relationship with, embracing emotion as an asset in the workplace. Karen is one of the best at modeling this, and I love being able to learn from her. She's definitely not that Karen. We also discuss Karen's new book, Mindset Matters, which was released in June of this year. We recorded this session just prior to the book release, and I'm excited to share this resource with you all. I first met Karen when she gave a talk on the subject of her book, and I had a feeling I'd like her. When we began to teach together a few years later, I realized how wrong I was. I fell in love with her as a friend and mentor. She made my Grinch heart swell three sizes. With that, I bring you episode one of the Dangerous Leader podcast and my guest, Karen Schumacher. And I'm sure your heart will feel more full after listening today as well. (laughs) I wish you all could see Karen right now. She's... She's literally one of the best clowns I know, and we'll maybe get to that here in a little while, but Karen's in here boogieing, getting down. I, you know, I invited you on here, and I think I told you, hey, we're going to talk about emotions and leadership, and that was about all the guidance I gave you. (laughs) Yeah, it was. You left me a little emotional over it. (laughs) Yes, I know, I know. So, yeah, so tell me, you know, what's your take on this just idea of emotions and leadership, broad strokes? What, where does your mind go when we start to open up that conversation? Well, actually, I want to just comment. You know, yeah. we also grew up being taught that when you come to work, you leave your, your personal emotions at the door. Right? You take off that suit, you put on your work suit, you go to work. And then when mm-hmm. you leave at the end of the day, you leave your work emotions there at the door and then you go home. Problem is, is that we're human beings. And so we can't just turn on and turn off our emotions. So when I think about this topic, there's just one specific thing that I kept coming back to. Bringing emotions to your leadership is not the same thing as being emotional. Mm, do you tell. What do you mean? Unpack that for us. So <clears throat> being aware of your emotions and using them to inspire others or to create change in others, right? We know some really great leaders that are inspiring. That's an emotion, and they evoke emotion in us. Mm-hmm. But being emotional is when you, as a leader or as the employee, just as a person, take things personally, right? You can't take criticism. You can't um, figure things out. You get upset. And especially over the last two years with the pandemic, Mm. people's emotions have been all over the place. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, and we've, we haven't had that. We haven't had all the cues either when we're working with people, because when we're working remotely, we don't have the same kind of environmental cues or even body language cues we're seeing we're seeing each other from the chest up over zoom when we're in that kind of environment so I do know um you know last year we the organization I work for during the day as I always say you know we run this huge entrepreneurial conference every year um just as the summer is kicking off and that was the first kind of live event that we went back to 
And it was, we actually, the our marketing team put together this whole video about like how to read each other's body language and how to greet each other because it was, you know, we were spoofing on that idea that we didn't know how to interact anymore, that we had lost touch with that. I mean, shoot, you know? people weren't wearing pants to work. I mean, come on, they were just sitting there in their boxers. I mean, but you weren't supposed to know until they accidentally got up. Yeah. I feel called out. Alex, do you feel called out? <laughs> I'm not wearing pants right now. <laughs> Good to know. All righty then. Back. <laughs> this used to be a PG rated show. All right. But, but I think to your point, what used to be the normal, right, is mm-hmm. no longer normal. Right. And a lot of places are staying, letting people stay working from home. And mm-hmm. a lot is misunderstood emotionally, mm-hmm. even in our words through texts and chats right. and emails. And it was prior to this, right. but it's even more heightened now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is so easy to misread a wording. And, you know, and I can just say from a p- very personal example, even stepping away from the leadership side, I'm in a long distance relationship with my significant other. And there's absolutely been times I'll, you know, either I'll send him a text or he'll send me a text. And it's like, are you mad? Like, what's going on right now? Or are you okay? And it's this check-in of like, I'm, I'm reading your words based on my mood right now. And so I'm interpreting it this way or missing a cue, even sometimes worse, that there is something wrong and not being and not being knowing either not knowing how to handle that or not knowing, you know, this person well enough to feel like you can handle something like that. I think you're exactly right. So take that we're all human. So we all have emotion anyway. But then take we have different personality styles. We have different life experiences. We have different things going on in our world right now personally professionally whatever it is and that is just a mixture for how am i going to respond now today because maybe how i responded to something yesterday is going to be different today and now i'm confusing to you because you're like wait i know you i know your style i know what you normally do so what is going on right but instead of taking that time to stop and ask those questions we just respond we just react react yeah and that's what i like to tell people a lot instead of reacting take a beat and respond because it is so that knee-jerk reaction of oh Karen just looked at me funny she must hate me oh my god what did I do to make her mad you know we kind of go through this emotional roller coaster in our brain and then maybe two seconds later you look at me and go oh sorry my brain was somewhere else what'd you just say you know and it's and all of a sudden it was never about me but I am emotionally worked up in that moment because I'm seeing everything through my own lens and not considering you also have your lens and you've got your own inner world happening and things in your life are, are happening the way things in your life are happening. And we don't <laughs> take time to actually stop and ask the questions like, how are you today? Mm-hmm. Right? Because right. if we do, we don't really care. Think about it. How many times do we see people walking past each other like, hey, how's it going? We don't yeah. stop and listen to the answer. So if you don't care about the answer, why are we even asking the question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we did take time to truly listen and even through virtual settings Mm -hmm. watching listening you know what i'm having an off day oh gosh tell me more about it yeah right now we can maybe come towards that person a little bit differently we come to what they need instead of just expecting them to come to what we need so karen and i used to co-teach in a certificate program for a local community college and we were, I think it was after class one day. Do you remember the story I'm yep. talking about it, now? We were grading their finals. Oh, that's right. We, so we were grading finals. And we're standing in the classroom, which um, the windows in the front of our classroom looked out over the parking lot. And so we were the kind of the front classroom in this building. And we start hearing just screaming. I mean, just terror, 
horror level screaming and we're like looking at it yeah leave me alone yeah help don't touch me get off me like all and we're like oh my god and so at that particular point I think both of our trauma responses were triggered Karen's however was fight (laughs) and so her emotions go into big huge Karen energy and you all have to just take a pause and imagine this Karen's like three feet tall <laughs> like she's, on a good day yeah she's okay, not, five foot two yeah she's not a large person but all of a sudden Karen is her most authentic Italian loud big gonna kick your ass woman and she walks out hey what is going on and she's I like did say that <laughs> and I'm standing back in the doorway going I don't want to die. Like, and so, which is super funny because I'm the army veteran. Yes, I'm, you are. I'm the You're the American the- hero. What the heck? You're the big bad fighter. I'm the one with the combat patch. And Karen's out there ready to just tear these dudes apart. And I was like, I'm so proud of her right now. <laughs> She's so brave. Oh, my gosh. But what I, what that just, it's so embodied for me, the way that you are. In, oh, so let me finish that story. So this woman was not getting abducted. Long no. story short. This was one of the local support agencies. But they had a, the, the whole, you yeah. know, the, I don't even know what the right word is, but yeah. the white van with no markings yeah. on it, with dark windows or no windows. Yeah. And and two dudes so, on top of this woman. And, and we're like. Yeah. So they, they said what they were for. And we said, yeah. well, we'll still figure that out once the police get here and once campus yeah. security gets here. But no one's taking this girl anywhere. Yeah. It was, it was a very odd situation. So I knew you had my back. I knew you were doing the most important things, making those phone calls. Yeah. And, and I, I was, in my defense, I didn't completely paralyze. But, but I yeah. was a little bit surprised. I looked down like, where are you? I know. Well, and I think that that's, I think there's so many things in that story, though, because um, one, I think it, it really highlights the fact that people. People respond differently, right? Mm-hmm. There's a stereotype in your head or stereotype in your head that says, oh, okay, so she was in the military. She must be ready to go and fight everybody, right? And then there's, oh, she's this tiny little woman. She's not going to get involved. in Like you start to make these, you put people in boxes, mm-hmm. right? And you decide how they're going to respond to things. And that's not what happened in our dynamic. And so I think it was a good, it's a good reminder to remember that just because you think you know doesn't mean you know. Exactly. You know? But the other thing that that really highlighted to me is just is so much about you as a, as a person and how far you are willing to go in that emotional display, in that willingness to put yourself out there and be, you were vulnerable in that moment, you know, and to be vulnerable and say, like, I'm not okay with this. And you've told me so many stories about you being that person of just like, this is not okay. And I do have to pause and make a comment on that. That's not in a traditional, let me talk to the manager, Karen kind of way. Oh my gosh. Like poor, the poor, actual, authentic, real, lovely Karens in the world who like have been lumped in with this crazy stigma. What I would say about Karen is I've, you know, I've watched her make these kinds of of, uh, navigations or negotiations just say, look, this is not okay, but this is what okay is. And so let's, let's get there with people, you know? It's funny because I'll, I'll now introduce myself when I'm doing my speaking engagements or training classes. I'm like, hi, my name is Karen, but that doesn't make me a Karen. At least not all of the time. Right. (laughs) And the truth is, is that we all have a Karen in us. Oh yeah. Now, I know a couple other Karens and they are so mad that that was the name that was chosen to represent this horrible person. Right. But it has made me even more aware of my interactions, my mm-hmm. words, how I'm responding, whether I'm having good service or bad service or how do I want to be remembered? So I don't mm-hmm. want to be tagged as that Karen. Right. So I think if we're thinking about our topic today, it's the same way with 
emotions in the workplace or right. as a leader. It's how do we want to be remembered? Yeah. How do we want others to model what we're modeling? We can't mm. say, do as I say, not as I do. Oh, God, no. I mean, <clears throat> so I think also when we think about emotions and stereotypes, men and women have been oh. tagged as being different, mm-hmm. not even as leaders, right? right? Boys aren't supposed to cry. Mm-hmm. Girls aren't supposed to be tough and go out and talk to people that are stealing another person. I don't know. (laughs) Not supposed to yell and scream and confront people when they're doing naughty things. And I think to be, and you use this word, and I love this word, to be your authentic self, you Mm -hmm. just have to know your strengths, Mm. your emotions, and how you need to portray them to others. And guess what? Even for people who say, I'm not emotional, I'm logical, I don't cry. (laughs) You know what? Yeah. You do have feelings still. Yeah. Crying's and, not the only indicator of emotion. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, feelings are indicators, not dictators. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Hashtag feelings are not in, are indicators, <laughs> not dictators. <laughs> you just needed to get a hashtag in there. I did. I had to. It had to come out. I've been inspired. I had It had to come out. But I think <laughs> if we all are just aware that we're feeling something, we need to stop and ask, okay, why am I feeling this way? Mm-hmm. What just triggered this? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, now how can I respond? Yeah. So pausing and just thinking about that for a moment. So, yeah. you know, we're faced with having to make decisions. And again, it's just about understanding, okay, wait, this is something different right now. This mm-hmm. is, I'm being emotional versus yeah. using my emotions in the right way. Yeah. And, and that can be a hard, you know, when we say that, it comes across as so simple. Right. So hey, oh. just just pause. Ask yourself what you're feeling, you know, and then you'll be OK. That's not how that works in real life, though, because when I'm mad, I'm like, you know, take your pause and you just walk away right now because I'm mad and I'm taking this on or, you know, what? I'm sad and I just I'm just going to keep digging my sadness hole or I'm happy. Don't knock me off the mountain. I mean, it's any range. Right. I don't want to. You know, our nature is, is in some in some spaces, I don't want to make an absolute there, but in some spaces is I just want to stay here. Mm-hmm. I just want to be whatever this emotion is and whatever you are trying to tell me to do, I don't want to deal with that. And it's, there's a strength that you have to pull on, I think, to pull yourself out of those things. I almost think it's unhealthy if we try to move somebody too fast oh, off of yeah. an emotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, let somebody be there. No, mm-hmm. I am the first to throw the best pity parties when I need to for myself. <laughs> Okay, and I, I don't know. Let's 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 compete. All right, who can throw the best pity party right now? That feels like a, that feels like a competition of some sorts mm. that we could run here on the Dangerous Leader podcast, well, or maybe not. But maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> but the the point is, is that it's okay to have that pity party. Yeah. But then you got to move on at some point. Right. Right. And if you stay there too long, that's when you need people to rally behind you, saying, "All right, I care about you. Now we need to have a difficult conversation. It's not okay yeah. for you to continue to wallow where you're at." Yeah. You know, I was, that's just making me think, um, had some really deep conversations with someone close to me recently because um, he was really struggling with a friend of his who had had a very horrible thing happen in her life. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, I just want to be there for her. And I was like, that, that's beautiful. Like you should, like you, I know you care about this person and you should, but she wasn't allowing him to show up for her the way he wanted to show up for her like she was just saying hey I need a little bit of space like I just need to process I need to be just away and not talking to anybody and he was like you need to call me (laughs) you know and it was and I just kept telling him like dude just give her some space she's asking you for space give it to her like it's okay for her to take that you know it reminds me of a story so my husband 
Um, we've been happily married for 26 years. We are the opposites. Mm-hmm. Like he's logical, <laughs> I'm emotional, right. right? Which is funny that this is the topic you gave me today. Right. And he's always been in IT. Mm-hmm. And one um, day his company merged, not just one day, but they, they merged and he inherited. <laughs> all in one day. Yeah, now all there's in one a day, playbook yeah. to be written about that. <laughs> so he inherits this other company's team onto his and he yeah. inherits this woman. And just for fun, we're not going to, we'll just call her Susan. Okay. Yeah. And Susan happens to be a highly emotional person, <laughs> opposite of his style. And of course, most of the people on his team are logical, right? right? Well, he calls me one day and he's like, hey, Susan was having a bad day today. I was like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. What happened? He goes, oh, she came to my office. She started crying. And I I stopped him and I'm like, well, how did you handle that? Because I know my husband and I know yeah. how he is with the kids or myself. And he, there's a long pause. And I just said, Joe, where's Susan? He goes, She's in my office crying. I'm like, you <laughs> left her alone? And he's like, well, I left her with some Kleenex. I was like, oh my gosh, you're her manager. She came to you because she needed to talk. You need yeah. to go back. So I coached him and he went back in. And now to be fair, what's the golden rule most of us learn growing up? Yeah, to treat others as you want to be treated. And that's exactly what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Because if he was going to have a bad day and needed to emote, yeah. whatever that emote would look for him, it would not be tears. <laughs> But it might mean working through something, talking through it on his own. But he would go to the person he trusted, which was likely his manager. But he would expect his manager to leave him alone. (laughs) So he could cry with Kleenex. Yeah. (laughs) Or whatever. Or whatever. (laughs) But there's another rule out there, and it's called the platinum rule. It's about treating others the way that they want to be treated. Yeah. And so your story about your friend, you know, we just... And it's not even about him wanting to be the hero. He no. genuinely yeah. probably cared about yeah. her yeah. and wanted to be there and show that. Yeah. But we do have to show up the way they need us to, yeah. not the way we need to. Yeah. And, and that can be so hard, especially for, you know, control freaks such as myself who are like, no, but I what? know. You're a control freak? <laughs> Shocking as that may be. But it is just one of those things that it's just so hard to be like, but I know what's going to make you feel better. And that is such an egotistical emotion to carry around, that sense of control that I somehow I know the right thing for you. You know, now I may be able to see what you're going through a little bit differently and provide some perspective, but at the end of the day, it's not my choice. Right. And oh, that has been so hard for me my entire life to see people doing things and I'm, oh, that's just not going to go well. But that's not my lesson to learn. I would say that's probably true from the conversations you and I've had about being moms. Yeah. Right. We see things that we don't want our kids to be hurt. We don't Mm -hmm. want them to make bad choices. We don't want, right. We have this whole long list because we love them and we want Mm -hmm. the best for them. But just because we can see things from a perspective because we've lived there. Yeah. Right. They need to experience it. And all we can do is support them and help them through it if they stumble. Yeah. It's tough. It is. It is. So let's go back to this idea of the difference between men and women and emotions, because that's, this is one of those I don't like to classify things as triggers, but I will. If I had to own a trigger, this would be one of them for me because it. When I hear things like, you know, when you see a man expressing big emotion, and it's oh my gosh, his passion is so inspiring, mm. and then you see a woman doing the same thing, and it's like God, could she stop screeching at us? Mm-hmm. And and I'm just like, are you kidding me right now? You know, and it's. Or the, and I don't want to get political with, with this at all, but even just the, the awful kinds of characterizations that were made about um, Hillary Clinton's ability to control her emotions as president of the United States versus a male candidate. And I'm just like, 
How is that even a conversation Mm -hmm. in this day and age, given all of the phenomenal political leaders we have seen across the world, Mm -hmm. for that to be a conversation we're having in this decade, this era of our leadership, you know, environment? And I thought of all the, the petty BS that people could bring up, the fact that women have menstrual cycles and can oh, be emotional. Right. And hey, guys have them too. They, they just, yes. just not the same. Right. But they have their moments in the, in the month. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we refer that though to it's a full moon, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so there's, you know, I, I it just, I think that, that that's hard. And so I'm curious when you've encountered those kinds of situations, because I know you have, because we, I think we all have as women encountered these kinds of disparities in the workplace, sometimes very subtle, sometimes very obvious. How, you know, how have you handled those conversations when you've come across them? Because you've been in some really great positions to teach and um, develop leaders as you have moved through your career. Yeah. So I'm actually coaching an individual right now who um, one of the areas that we're working on for him is empathy. Mm. And um, basically, so he has um, a female on his team and she made a mistake and she got hurt. Mm -hmm. And his response was, well, that was a really stupid way for you to get hurt. Mm. Right. Or that was a really dumb choice that you made here. And so this has happened frequently. Right. And as we're talking about it, um, I was like, okay, so what's your first real response? Is it that? Yeah. He's like, well, no, I asked her if she was okay. And I was like, oh, it sounds like you actually cared for a minute. Not. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's the helping them understand that that's a human and mm. then the choices of our words. Even yeah. if it is a stupid way to get hurt, what did she just hear from that message? You yeah. think I'm incompetent. You think I'm stupid. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I don't feel that way at all. She's actually one of the bravest people I know, and she's one of the smartest people I know. I said, mm-hmm. doesn't sound like that's what you're telling yeah. her. Yeah. And have you ever told her that? Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, or I'm helping somebody else, and I've used the phrase, I've done this with a few people, you know, for some reason, and it, guys think that they're having fun by making fun. Mm-hmm. And as the leader of this group, I got some feedback that he's really pushed the limits too far. Mm. So this is somebody different. And I was like, you need to be the protector of your team. That means you can't engage and lead these conversations. And if other people are doing it, you need to really watch and listen. And if that person's body language shifts, your job is to say, okay, enough Mm -hmm. and shut it down. Yeah. But we, and I don't know if it's stereotypes about the difference too. Like women have been said, Oh, you just want to be too, you want to be friends with all the people you work with. Well, that's not true either. Yeah. That doesn't mean that guys can't yeah. be friends or vice versa, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that yeah. was going in the direction you were thinking. No, it, just... it doesn't. And I think, you know, that was one of the struggles I had. I think when, when I transitioned out of the military, one of, I mean, the, <laughs> the only time I have ever been on a performance improvement plan was because of this issue. And I think that's part of why this strikes so close to home for me and why you've been such a great guy to mentor for me in this area. Because I was, um, you know, I came out of the military and my mindset at that point was everything I had done to that date had been highly praised. I was, you know, always rated super high, always high performer, um, you know, respected as a leader, given great assignments, all that great stuff. And I came out and I just kept leading the same way without any awareness, really, that the environment I was in was different and might be asking me to behave differently and, and connect with people differently. And so <clears throat> what 
you know, long story short, I was called into my general manager's office and a member of HR was sitting there and I was immediately like, what is going on right Mm. now? And so they start breaking it down for me. And what it boiled down to was I was not doing a great job of connecting with my peers in a way that would allow them to feel safe to come with to me with things and that and feel like they would be heard. And so what I heard in that moment, though, was you won't sit and sing kumbaya with all your buddies and give a crap whether the Hawkeyes won last weekend or not or, you know, any of these things. And I was just like, no, I don't. Like, I literally don't. I've lived in the state for two weeks. I don't even know what the Hawkeyes are. Like, I don't even, <laughs> like, what is going on here, right? But either way, um, I left that night and or that afternoon. And, I mean, I, when we were, t- I was talking to the HR guy, like, I saw, I started crying because I'm one of those people that when I'm super, super mad, I cry, mm-hmm. which is always then misconstrued as emotional woman, mm-hmm. right? But, yep. so I'm super mad and I got tears coming out and I'm ready to punch something. And I'm, you know, just all the, all the emotion is coming out from anger to sadness to fury to hurt to all of them. I go home, I call one of my mentors and I said, and I was laying it out for him and he just listens, listens, listens. He's one of these great guys that has these fantastic one-liners that just snap me all the time. And this time his one-liner was, well, are they right? And I was like, you SOB. Like, yes, they're right. <laughs> you know? And so then like that one little thing after, after he listened to me, and I think that that was the most important thing for me in that moment And it was a lesson he taught me was that when people come at me with those kinds of big emotions to ask, are you asking me to solve something for you here or do you just need to vent? Yeah. I was just going to say, I just wrote down, listen doesn't mean fix. Yes. And so in that moment though, what I did need was his advice. Mm -hmm. And so I said, how should I handle this? Mm -hmm. You know, so we talked through some strategies and he was basically like, look, at the end of the day, you've got a couple of choices here. You can fix it or you can quit. He's like, and I don't think you're a quitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm not no, because not. at that point I had been challenged. Like now I have to go conquer everybody's emotions and make them all love me. And then, then I'll quit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but punchline, that is actually what ended up happening, um, which was uh, not my plan going into it. That's but funny. just as everything got amazing, um, I did end up with a different position. So yeah, but it was, it was a huge learning point for me. And what I'll finish that story with, what that carried over for me was to pay attention to the environments that I'm going into, kind of to your platinum rule point. Mm -hmm. This isn't about me walking into an environment and making everybody conform to my wishes and desires. It's about me going in and understanding how I interact with all of those other people. But don't you think also um, leading in the military, it's very different. You don't have time to necessarily stop and explain why we're going to go do something because life's at stake and Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So we just got to do it and you've got to have a different type of trust built. Right. And I think it was Colin Powell who said, no, you know, you are a good leader when your troops will follow you. Even if they don't have time to understand the why they follow you because they trust you. Right. Right. You can't be like, um, excuse me, why do you want me to go this way? We don't have time. Right. But then when we take and we take that type of a leader and we put them in the civilian world and ask them to lead. Yeah. It's different. We don't, you know, people want to know why, you know, start with why it's one of my favorites or, um, we, um, have to build relationships. That means you have to actually talk about yourself and talk about them and get to know them outside of the work. And so I think that's tough. You know, it's a different type of a, of a mindset. Um, but I was also thinking about other stereotypes, like why is it okay for men to cuss in the workplace? But if a woman does, you know, that uh, I've been hearing a lot of that lately or, Mm -hmm. Um, when I worked for GE, mm-hmm. I have to give them credit. 
they had a woman's network and they actually took us out and taught us how to golf. Oh. And they said most um, business decisions happen out, out yeah. on the golf yeah. I was going to call it field. What is it called? Golf? Uh, course. Course. Yeah, yeah. Golf course. I'm not a no. golfer either. We're, we're <laughs> lucky see, I know this. Yes. You can see that it, w- it went well, yeah. right? But And Alex is golf clapping from the production <laughs> booth. So, yes. <laughs> but the point is, is that we've got to, as women, learn to do things differently. Mm-hmm. But that stereotype that men don't have to come our way. And, yeah. and that's not always true either, right? Yeah. I know lots of men leaders that do yeah. do things the right way. Yeah, so. there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely allies out there, but it, you know, and, and one of the conversations I recently had with a good, good colleague that I work with was, you know, it's, I love how, how far you will go to try to understand, but there's a point at which that you will never have my lived experience. Exactly. And that's just, that's the line I need you to recognize is that when I'm telling you something from my lived experience, that's valid. And you can't talk me out of that. Right. Like it, this is my lived experience. And so you know, and it, it did, it kind of put him on pause for a second because he was like, you're right. I was trying to do that, you know? So, and I thought that that was really, to me, very emotionally aware of him to say, to take that pause and not just try to bulldoze over me right. or any of those things, but actually engage and reflect. <clears throat> I will also say, um, you're right. And people, when they talk to me and they're sharing their stories and I'm listening and I'm doing my coaching thing or whatever, sometimes I'll have clients that say things like, you just don't understand. You've never yeah. had my life. You have had an easy life. Well, yeah. wait a minute. Let's define that for a moment. What what constitutes an easy life? Mm-hmm. Well, if you'd been through some of the horrific things I've been through, then you wouldn't be so happy all the time. <laughs> and I was like, you have no idea what I've been through. Uh-uh. And truly, I have been through some things, mm-hmm. right? I think I've shared with you on a number mm-hmm. of occasions um, that like when I was in college, I was kidnapped right. by gunpoint by somebody I went to school with and raped. Yeah. Right? But at that point in my life, when all of that's happening, I went through counseling, but I had to make a choice at some mm-hmm. point to say, am I going to be a victim the rest of my life? Right. This situation happened, but it doesn't define me. Right. So when we think about emotions yeah. and what drives us, right, we can, it's that mindset. It yeah. truly starts with our mindset. Yeah. And, um, but when you said that about lived experiences, yeah. thing is, we don't know other people's stories. No. Yeah. And, and God forbid that guy had been kidnapped and raped and, and held at gunpoint when he was in college. I mean, there's a, he had a different kind of right. his own trauma. And I think remembering that our experiences are so relative mm-hmm. to us as individuals. You know, what is super traumatic for me may be no big deal to someone else and vice versa. And vice versa. Yep. And I don't get to judge that. Right. You know. So, like, there's a whole other topic in in this whole idea around why we hold on to some of those victim things and how, like, those badges that we can build with that trauma, um, which is maybe maybe a follow up episode because sure. you you have a really great take on a lot of that stuff, just even from your real colors training and the facilitation you do with that, um, and just the experiences you've had. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you do have some really fascinating background experiences that I think do. What I think just gives you such a great perspective on people's emotions and how to relate to them and that reminder that they're coming at this from a different place than I am. So <clears throat> I want to maybe close out this segment before we move to our next segment with, all right, someone comes to you and they say, Karen, I'm just like, I don't feel like I'm being respected because I'm so emotional in the workplace. What piece of advice would you give to that person? Well, 
Before I give any advice, I always start with a lot of questions. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> so she's about to pepper me with 25 questions about the context of this question, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So I'm not going to pepper you, but I think it's fair yeah. to say, okay, so like in what instances are you emotional and how are you defining emotional? Right. So maybe can I answer it with a story instead? Yeah, totally. Okay. So, oh, I was running a training department and I got a phone call from one of my peers. And so I assumed that what she wanted was for me to come up and talk about training. So I grab my notebook, I go up to her office, we're peer managers. And she's like, hi, come on in. I said, great. So I sit down and I said, okay, so what's up? She said, well, I have some feedback for you. I was like, oh, okay, not what I thought we were going to talk about. She's like, so... Like when you ask people how they're doing, or I'm sorry, when we ask you how you're doing, we don't actually really care about the answer. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, like if your dog ran away last night or the baby was up all night or you have a headache or you've had good things happen, like we don't want the story. We just wanted you to say that you're good or you're fine or you're okay. And I was like, oh. And I said, well, I care if I, she's like, oh, we all know that you care. And I was like, geez, Louise. Wow. So fine. So, so she gave me my marching orders. I could no longer tell people how I really was. My answers had to be, I'm good, I'm fine, or I'm okay. And then she asked me, so how are you doing right now? So I thought it was a trick question. So I said, I'm okay. And she's like, okay, good, I've got more. I was like, oh boy. Oh, geez. She said, we also don't like it when you cry. And I'm like, what? Did you promptly burst into tears? I did not, which is probably why no one ever gave me the feedback. Because I thought I would cry if I ever yeah. heard this. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, it's just, it's going to be a showstopper in your career. If you do not get your emotions under control, like you will not get any farther. Mm -hmm. Now understand, so you brought up real colors. So if my style is more blue, where I'm all about people and putting them first in their emotions, and I'm working in an entire organization where 75% of the people are greens or logical, Mm -hmm. and they don't like emotion. So my thought was, well, first of all, who does she represent? Like, who's the we? Mm -hmm. Now. Jen, <laughs> do you like giving gifts? Yes. And will you go shop for the right person for the right gift? And, and then when you find it. All what, day long. All day long. Okay. Then when you find the gift, what do you do with it? I wrap it up. You wrap it and up. And I make it beautiful. Right. And I get really excited. And I try not to tell them I got it for them. Right. And then when you give it to them, you want them to open it right now. Immediately. And it's not about you. It's right. about you want to see their emotion and you want to mm-hmm. see them be happy. Yeah. My friend gave me a very valuable gift that day, but she wrapped it really crappy. Oh, yeah. She put it in some type of brown paper bag and just handed it to me. And I almost missed the value of it. Yeah. However, I also took it to the extreme Mm. because then I Googled. Was Google even a thing? Yeah, I guess it was still then. Um, All of the different ways of... It was probably AOL. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All of the different ways of how not to get emotional at work, right? Mm. And... I already knew this about myself. I cry when I'm happy or sad or angry or mad or whatever, right? right? So I learned a few things. It was things like picture the person you never want to see you cry in the room with you. So I would look at these imaginary people and then people like thought she's losing it, right? And that didn't work, by the way. (laughs) Or do pressure points. I had so many bruises on my hands. That didn't work. You want to know what worked? Math. Oh, yeah. When you take your emotional brain from your emotional side to your logical side. So I started off easy, like five times five is 25. Then it got to be too easy. So I'm like the square root of. Oh, geez. Okay. But my my point is, is that there are ways to handle your emotions and to be aware of them and to get a grip on it. Yeah. But the in my story, then two weeks later, my team, my direct reports pulled me in and did this. um, What is it called? when they The intervention. 
Okay, I better stop. Ooh, we now have <laughs> singing bowls in the studio. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is all about calming your emotion. Yeah. <laughs> we just learned that the microphones double as singing bowls. All right. <laughs> like, what is Okay, so, yeah, like an intervention. Yeah. And they said, or sat me down, and one by one, they said, Karen, what's wrong with you? Yeah. You used to be the only leader that we could go to. Many of us wanted to be on your team because of how you led, because yeah. of how you interacted. And I had gone from one side to the other. So, so they were clearly not part of the we. No. That you were wondering. Yeah. yeah. So to be authentic, I needed to do a lot of thinking about what everybody needed from me. Yeah. And then I had to figure out my core values and yeah. how do I stay true to them? Yeah. So back to this person, what advice would I give them? Yeah. I think it's a couple things. After talking it through and answering questions, first of all, what are their core values? Right. What is this emotion? What does it stem from? Yeah. And then how can they find some things to help them when it triggers or understand where it's coming from and or is this even the right place for them? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think just as you're saying that, I'm like, yes, <laughs> that is what a dangerous leader is. And and what I mean by that is like that's that's the person that knows who they are, what they're dealing with, how to harness and rein that in mm -hmm. when needed and how to just go hard with it when that's needed as well. And so being able to understand that by adapting your style to the different people and their needs is not inauthentic. It's probably actually one of the most authentic things you can do because you're bringing, you're very consciously bringing who you are to those environments versus just letting those environments make you something. And I love that. Yeah. So this is a perfect setup. We are going to transition right after the break to our next segment, Dangerous Leader Moments. It is time to talk about our most dangerous moment as a leader. <laughs> so this is where I ask my guests to tell me about a time that they felt most authentic in their work and what made that situation feel like the most authentic. And, and I like to characterize these as dangerous moments because so many times when I am talking with people about being who they really are in certain situations, it's, oh, but that's scary. And then there's some sort of fill in the blank with that. You know, if I show up as my real self, will they still respect me? Will I get that promotion? Am I get you know, all the, the insecurities that we carry around um, show up when we're challenged to do that. So I pose this question to you, my friend. Tell me mm. about a time you felt very authentic in your work. And I know you're such a great storyteller. So tell me your story. Mm -hmm. It's probably not going to have the, the um, ending that you would expect. Mm. So, um, I think the most authentic is when I started at a, a particular company, I was so excited because I was being brought on to be head of their training department and I was inheriting no people, no processes, no programs. I got to build everything from ground up. Mm. And that even- Which is one of your skills. Mm. So that feels dangerous even just starting, ooh, we just gave Karen a blank sheet of paper. Yeah, right. <laughs> and for sure. I mean, yeah. I, I know some of my strengths are being strategic and futuristic and mm -hmm. I like to maximize others. And so in doing this, but it wasn't about what I wanted. And right. so I took the time to get to talk to all of the managers at that company and understand what their needs are and their gaps and put together a true strategy over time for building this department. At the same time, I also had some forces working against me hmm. because while I had the best team, 
and everything that I teach about leadership, everything I've ever experienced about great leaders, like I got to just be that and, and, and live it when I was there. However, from a peer-to-peer standpoint, I had a peer that we just did not get along. And no matter what, or, you know, we'd take a couple steps forward, but then we would take three times the steps backwards. And it did put a damper, I would say, on me being my authentic self. But then came the day where she became my leader. Oh. Mm-hmm. Arrow to the heart. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's that scary music again. <sighs> when I was told that I was going to report to her, I literally burst into tears. Oh, yeah. And this was not any of the things where math could have helped me get outside of my emotional brain. Like, I felt like I was being punished. To make matters worse, vice presidents and senior executives were reaching out to me saying, what did you do to get punished? I can't believe that this is the direction. And and most of them were giving me, it was like, you do do, do you do brackets for this merch madness? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were all taking brackets of when I would be fired. Oh, my Lord. Under this person's, right? Yeah. So I think Which, the, that's like a whole other podcast as well. Right? <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So to be now my authentic self and go back to like the story that I had told you from decades prior about yeah. my core values and everything that I talk about in my book about more than your mindset, it's yeah. simply about, okay, how do I see the strengths of this individual and not just all her flaws because Mm -hmm. what you look for is what you'll find yeah and i it's easy to find the things that we don't like about the person we don't like Mm -hmm. so to have to get into a different mindset okay so but i'll tell you um towards the end um it came down to um, i thought things were going in a really good direction things seemed to be going better um but then there was some feedback that came out on an engagement survey and the feedback was about this individual, and mm. she wanted to know who wrote it. And it was an anonymous feedback. Anonymous tool, feedback. Right? Yeah. And who cares who wrote it? Yeah. Let's look at the feedback. Anytime we yeah. ask for feedback, we should look at it. Well, yeah. I went out of town, and while I was gone, she pulled one person in at a time, asked them if they wrote it, and then made them sign an affidavit. So guess who wasn't there? Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So when it came down to it, yeah. I was given the choice to quit. Wow. And I said, no, you'll fire me if that's where you want me to be. And so they did. Yeah. So yeah. at the end of the day, authentically to myself, I wasn't going to be successful there. I wasn't happy there. Yeah. And I knew that. And it was changing the way that I was leading my team. It was changing who I was as a mom to my children, as mm-hmm. a wife to my husband, and as a friend to my friends. And I, it was the best thing that could have ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's such a testimony to this idea, again, of, of a dangerous leader moment because you stood strong in your values. You could have, quote unquote, played the game, mm-hmm. gone in and, okay, this person wants me to behave this way. That's the mask I will put on every day when I go to work and that's who I'll be. But, just you know, what you described is <clears throat> the impact it was having on the people around you. If you had tried to wear a mask that didn't fit, you would have been that much more in pain, grouchy, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the things that were coming out. And that's one of the things, that's an analogy I use a lot is when we are not being our authentic selves, it is like trying to squeeze into a costume that is like two sizes too small and the zipper's all the way in the back, mm-hmm. right? So you can't, you know, first of all, you can't reach the zipper and second, it's not going to close anyway because it's just not, it's not right for you mm-hmm. and it's uncomfortable and painful. So it, it's, to me, this, the 
ability to stand in that moment, just like I'm not fire me because yeah. I'm not I'm not going to do different. Yep. So so powerful. And the funny thing is, I mean, when you're using that analogy, I think of people who are two faced. Oh God, yeah. Right now, when we think of that, we think of people who talk about other people and then they're nice to their right, face. Yeah. But you can be two faced also. I think in the workplace where you pretend to be what everybody else wants you to be. Right. That doesn't mean yeah. you have to gossip and you know talk about people. Just that you're not your authentic self. Yeah. So yeah, and in that situation, I mean, yeah. it is what it is. And now I had a really good pity party. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, then one day at a time, adjust, and then guess what? You know, look yeah. at where I'm at today. Yeah. So. And now you get to do the things that you love all the time. And right? I believe everything that happens to us in life is something that we can use, and we mm-hmm. can see the positive if we choose to. Yeah. And honestly, the thing that happened to me in college, I wasn't able to truly relate to some other girls as mm-hmm. I was counseling them. I used to go to a, a Christian camp and, and um, work with teenagers. Um, I would not have been able to relate to their stories right. of sexual abuse had right. I not been through what I was through. Right. And now as a coach and an owner of a company, when I'm working with individuals who are in situations like this, that embarrassment of being fired, like yeah. it's the stigma that you did something wrong and there's something wrong with you right. and it's attached to you now forever. And so coaching people, being able to have that firsthand experience, that's empathy. Right. Right. You can actually yeah. put yourself in their shoes and you can talk yeah. about and give strategies of how yeah. to heal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's, I think that's such a core part of my philosophy as well, is that whether whether it was a, you know, labels, you know, be gone for a second, you had an experience and you decide how that experience gets full, pulled forward in your life. What you don't get to decide, you can decide how, but you don't get to get to decide that it does. Mm-hmm. Because we are, I just, I tend to believe we are the sum of our experiences. And some we get to choose how prominent those things are. And so I can look at an experience I've had that was, you know, I could label negative, but I learned something from that. Maybe I learned what I didn't want. Maybe I learned what I wanted, but I learned something. And I can't forget those lessons. I often tell people <clears throat> there's a lot of things that explain why we do what we do and say what we say doesn't always excuse it right yes 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 and that's what's you know you, there's those memes out there now that's like, you know they'll break a plate and they'll be like all right oh, karen oh wait wrong yeah. meme no right okay, yeah, yeah, wrong okay, meme. Okay. yeah they'll break a plate and they'll be like all right so the plate's broken you know tell the plate you're sorry <laughs> does that fix it you know what i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> like i get the point here but what what really are we trying like what's what's the next step in that right, right. so yes i'm sorry it doesn't fix a broken plate but what what do you do then at that point, you know? Right. And I think that's where a lot of, you know, kind of this pop, um, you know, this pop diagnosis, this pop environment we have on social media of, you know, around mental health, mental fitness, mm-hmm. emotional intelligence, all these things can be a little bit toxic for those reasons. Because like, yeah, saying I'm sorry is just not good enough. Okay, well, okay, but now what do you want me to do if sorry is not good enough? Or, <clears throat> excuse me, people won't say I'm sorry because they're like, well, I didn't do anything wrong, so why should I have to say I'm sorry? Yeah. Saying you're sorry does actually is yeah. not admitting fault. Yeah. But people think that that's exactly yeah. what it does. It drives me bonkers when I say I'm sorry to somebody and they're like, it's not your fault. I know. Like, I'm not saying it's my, now I'm mad. I'm like, I'm not saying it's my yeah. fault. However, <laughs> I mean, did you also go through that stage where they would tell us as women leaders, stop saying you're sorry. Stop oh, apologizing God, yeah. for everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're missing the point. No, yeah. it's not like you're saying, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Jennifer, I'm sorry that, mm-hmm. you know, five minutes later. Oh, Jennifer, yeah. right. It's the being respectful of the other yeah. person's time or whatever. Yeah. And so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
All right. So you mentioned your book, which mm. actually is a great segue to my next segment, which is Dangerous Books to Read. Ooh. Yes. So we're going to cozy up here next to the fire. Um, for those of you not in the studio and because we are not yet on video for this podcast, you'll just have to take my word for it that we've got a fire going. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and this is, you know, we do this a little bit tongue in cheek because this is hearkening back to the idea that, you know, there's been this this buzz lately around all the books that we're not supposed to read because they're going to somehow infect our thinking. Um and I, I don't, I just don't tend to buy into that idea anyway, but I also like books that inspire me to think differently about the world that I live in. And so, um, as I, um, kind of teased earlier and you just teased again, you've got a book that's coming out. And so I'm going to take your choice away from you and I want you to tell me about your book. Oh. That is the dangerous <laughs> book that we're going to read. <laughs> what is it? What is it? And I know it's not out yet, and so you all will just have to um, pay attention. Or if by the time we release this podcast, it is out, we will put a link in the notes or something um, in the notes. That Otherwise you can check known out. as the bio. Oh, sorry, oh. the bio. Yes. So <laughs> just go, go ahead and scroll down below the episode, and the link is right there waiting for you. All right, scroll down below the episode, and the link is right there waiting for you. All right, <laughs> I will rehearse that, and we will have that smooth as silk next time we do one of these. All right, back to it, though. So what What about, so tell me about your book. Tell me, I want to know what inspired you to write it, and I want to know what you want people to leave with, leave this book with. Okay, so it's, I did the whole thing backwards, just so you know. Like, <laughs> I was asked probably a good 10 years ago to speak for a woman's organization on, you know, women, how do we um, think more positively, and how do we get, you know, more recognition as women? And so they gave me kind of some speaking points of what they're looking for. And so I just put it together and went from there. And then I turned it into a workshop. And then I turned it into a leadership workshop. And then somebody said, you should put this into a book. Mm -hmm. Like all your stories and all of these little tips that you give us. And so thus, that's how it came about. Yes. So the whole, um, the whole basis of the book, it's called More Than Your Mindset, How to Live a More Positive and Energized Life. And I wrote it to be like a self-help. It's you get to journal in it, you get to ask questions, answer questions in it, you get to do these exercises. And I really focus on how to set yourself free mm -hmm. from negativity using the acronym FREE. Mm -hmm. The four main parts are how do you formulate your thoughts? How do you reinvent you? How do you engage with others? And how do you energize yourself? Mm, yeah. So by the end, you walk away with some tips and tricks and strategies for being able to think and live a little bit more positively. Mm -hmm. So how do you think this fits into, um, I'm going to say the broader arena around the ideas of mindset and mindfulness and self-awareness, right? So where, where is this, um, who, who would be the, the best possible person to read this? Maybe is a better way to ask that question. Yeah. So when I was working with my publisher, he kept asking me the same thing. I'm like, it's for everyone. Right. Right. And so there's things if you are a college student and, you know, you're going to be faced with things and maybe you don't like your professor. Right. right? Well, of course, they don't have you as the professor. I mean, they would. Obviously. You know, they would love you. I yeah. mean, I'm but, an amazing professor. So. Or <laughs> yeah. you don't like your peers or you have a bad relationship yeah. with your parents. Right. That, it is what it is, but mm -hmm. how do you choose to formulate what you think about it differently? Or 
Maybe you are an early professional getting yeah. started, or maybe you're going through a midlife crisis and yeah. wanting to make some changes, or maybe guess what? You're retired yeah. and you want to do things differently now. So yeah. there's bits and pieces that can be adapted to any, anybody yeah. at any point in their life. Yeah. And you know what I, what's top of mind for me right now, because I spent last night in a, um, in a workshop with transitioning special operations veterans and I, I teach a workshop on culture and organizational research and culture. And, um, just, and we alluded to earlier that difference in leadership between the military and the civilian world. And I, I feel like this book would be, would be really key for people in those transition points as well. So how am I going to think about this? Mm-hmm. Um, I could see it as kind of a primer for just, I'm going to pick this up again because I'm at this place in my life. Let me go back through. And I've got a few books that I treat that way, that it's, I need to go back because I know there was something in there that I need to read, right? Have you ever read a book more than once and picked up something different each time? Or if you watched a movie, you're like, I don't remember that scene. Did they change this? Yeah. I believe that books and other ways that we learn give us what we need in that moment. So mm-hmm. those learning lessons ebb and flow. So you're right. There's probably yeah. a million little things that we pick up every yeah. time. You know, it's funny. I, about three, four months ago, I was down um, in Georgia at my boyfriend's and he has a copy of my book that I published. I love when your book, did I by do the that? way. 2017 or something. Whenever I published it, I can't, God, I'm terrible. I'm a bad self promoter, but either way. So whenever I published that thing and I just happened to like, I picked it up and I was just like glancing through it. And I'm just giggling at it because I'm like, I cannot believe I wrote some of this stuff. Like, oh my gosh. And now I will just, I'll put an explicit warning on my book because I do use curse words in it. Like it's just, that's, and that's just part of, you know, my personality with when I'm talking about development. But it was kind of funny because there's one part where I'm talking about like, you know, if you're wanting me to like sprinkle fairy dust on your ass and make life all better, you know, this kind of (laughs) stuff. And I'm just like, oh my God, who am I? What am I doing? But I think that when I wrote that book, as an ex- just as an example of what you're talking about, that's, that is exactly where I was. And now, you know, four or five years later, a whole doctoral degree, a whole bunch of different experiences since, I look at that and I'm like, I'm in a different place now, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think just even looking at my own experience that way, and then I go back to books that I read during that time, and then books that I'm, re- I'm rereading a couple of those now, and I'm like, oh, different perspective. Like, if I would have understood this back then I would have had a different approach but I couldn't have understand that because I don't know we can get into some real existential stuff right now but (laughs) the the point is I think I think that books are similar to the the analogy you used of feedback as a gift I think books are a gift in that Mm -hmm. way as well like every time you read them there's something else in there for you yeah good ones anyway (laughs) I agree like I tell people about your book I'm you know it's short but Mm -hmm. it's impactful and yeah. I'm not great at self-serving myself mm-hmm. either. Yeah. So when my publisher's like, you got to get a book launch team together. I'm like, why? Yeah. Well, you're going to ask them to buy your book on this day. And then I was like, wait, I have to ask them. He's like, what do you think was going to happen? I'm like, I don't know. I just thought that I thought magically, you would ask them. <laughs> magically people will go buy the book. I don't know. I have to self-promote. <laughs> it seems so counterintuitive to who I am. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I get it. Yeah. So I'll look yeah. at it that way. Thank you for that. It's yeah. a gift. Yes. It's <laughs> a gift they have to pay for. <laughs> Well, the other, and the other principle that might help you is the idea of attraction instead of promotion. Yeah. Right. So doing things like this where you just, you, sh- you show up as you and you mention, hey, I share all these amazing ideas in my book that's coming out April 1st or whatever it's coming out. But, yeah, soon. Um, very soon. Soon. Um, you know, but, you know, just talking about that because what's in this book, as I read this book, I, I could hear your voice reading it, mm-hmm. you know, because it is, it's you. 
Like this, this is your message. There is, it's not your only message, right. but this is, this is a, a big core part of your message. And I love that about you. You want to know what my so. second book is going to be? Yes. Taming Your Inner Karen. Oh, geez, Louise. You need to publish that this year. I've, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I've already started talking about it. I've done some, um, did you do a talk on it? Recently? I did a yeah. keynote on that. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's already yeah. started. I love it. I love that. Oh, my gosh. And so I was really sick not too long ago, and Karen brought me over some um, <laughs> some soup and stuff, and I did. This is before I abandoned Facebook. But I was on Facebook, and I was like, not all Karens are bad Karens. Here's proof. <laughs> By the way, a couple of your friends were like, hey, can I have some of that soup? Oh, God, it was amazing. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> all right. So... You know, all this being said, how, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? How do they find Crescendo Leadership? How do they find Karen Schumacher? Give us your, give us your deets. All right. So I have a website. It's crescendold.com. That's C-R-E-S-C-E-N-D-O-L-D.com. Because people are like, what's a crescendo? Yeah. Do you know what a crescendo is, by the way? Isn't it like the top of the music? Like the... Yeah. So it grows. Like, it, yeah. it looks like the... The less than, greater than, yeah, right? like a wave. Yeah, so it grows, yeah. and that's my whole purpose when I coach and teach and yeah. train. It's about how do I help you grow into your potential, into the your best version of you. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, if you didn't catch that link, it's also in the bio. Okay, yes. thank you. Yes, <laughs> and spelled correctly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have any upcoming events that we should be aware of where we can see you besides this podcast? <laughs> well, not yet, but yeah. I'm also hoping, so one of my other big things to do is a TED Talk. So yes. I've got all of the paperwork going right now. So All right, I'll TED people, are you hearing this? Karen's the bomb. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this initial episode of The Dangerous Leader. If you liked what you heard, have comments or suggestions, please like and follow the show and leave us a comment because I'd love your feedback. Even if it is tough love. Remember... Feedback is a gift. Just wrap it nicely or I might cry. You can find a list of resources we discussed to include a link to buy Karen's book and additional commentary at dangerousleader.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Murphy Muses. Before we sign off from today's session, I need to give credit to the amazing team at LAS Media Network, even when they don't wear pants, who produce and distribute this podcast from right here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. If you want ad-free episodes of The Dangerous Leader, bonus content, and much more, then consider subscribing to LAS Plus. All you have to do is go to lasmedianetwork.com slash plus to get started. And always remember to lead dangerously, be you.